Welcome to Clean Slate by Desjardins, a podcast where there are no awkward money questions. I'm Jessica Morehouse, and in each episode, we're going to be taking a look at the turning points in people's lives and exploring how young Canadians are answering those big existential questions about their journey and their finances. Some questions I'm sure you've got at home just as well. Now it's time to go beyond the money and see how they impact everything that we do. Clean Slate is by Desjardins, a cooperative whose mission is to enrich people's lives. They are about more than just money. They are a financial institution that believes in the spirit of community. And today I'm speaking with Elena Losi from This House 5000. Welcome, Elena. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. I'm so excited to have you here to chat. Um, so let's kind of start from the beginning. Uh, you know, what was your journey like to becoming a homeowner in Toronto? What was the most important thing that you did to save up to eventually become a homeowner? It was definitely moving back in with my parents, even though I was like 30 years old. No way, I wasn't 30. I was 25, I think, and I was married. And I said, you know what? We're never going to get a house if we go downtown, get a condo, spend $2,000 a month on rent. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I think the biggest push was like, okay, can we take the sacrifice of living outside of the city, far away from our friends, far away of a commute for my husband's work? And we said, you know what, we're just going to put our heads down, focus for a couple of years. We spent four years in my parents' basement apartment, which was beautiful, by the way. We were very lucky. And they were very generous with us on the on low rent. So every say say we would have spent two thousand dollars on a place downtown, we took like a thousand dollars off of that and just put that away every month. Did we dip into it sometimes? Yeah, life happens. You know, things come up. And so then we thought, well, if we just stay here a little longer, stay here a little longer, stay here here a little longer, we'll be able to save enough. And we did end up saving $25,000 and it sounds low, but it was even hard to get to that point. Like at the time, none of, none of like anyone I knew had like any nest egg. So it's like, even though we had a tiny little nest egg, we were so proud of it and so happy. And we're like, okay, it's time to spend it and let's try to find a house. So that's what we did. That was the most important step was just making a little sacrifice with our life and using that as like a financial boost. Well, I guess I'm curious, how did you determine what your parameters were? What was your budget? Right. So I knew I wanted to live in Toronto and on the West End because basically that's where all my friends lived. And we were always driving back and forth to like hang out in the city and spend time with our friends. So I told um, our real estate agent I wanted to get a house that's under $500,000 because that's I think that's what we thought we could afford at Mm -hmm. the time. Um, Under 500,000 on the West Side and I said south of St. Clair. So I gave her those parameters and she would send me listings like, as I said, a a couple times a week. And that went on for like about a year and we didn't see anything that was in our price range and anything that we thought, okay, you know, this house has potential. So we actually spoke to, you know, a financial advisor and we found out we can't even afford a house that's 550. Mm. We actually had to try to find something less than 550. And at the time that just seemed absolutely impossible. And then this golden egg came into my inbox one day and I looked at it and it funny enough, before I even showed my husband, I showed this to my sister and she was like, she calls me Lanes as my nickname. And she's like, Lanes, this is the one. 
because she's just like, I feel like this house has potential. And the thing is, it was the price. The, the house was listed <laughs> at 350 right. <laughs> And that was just really unheard of. Even in 2015, a house for 350 it's a semi-detached brick home. It was really still unheard of. So I called up um, Maria right that day as soon as I got the emails, like, we want to see this house. And we went and saw it. It was 100% a fixer-upper. There was no part of the house that we thought, other than the actual box of the house, the brick box, that we thought could stay. Um, like carpeted floors, tiny hallways, um, the walls were lath and plaster, like not even drywall, like nothing had been updated. The doors were old, the windows were old. Um, the tile floor was from the 70s. But we thought we said to ourselves, this is the exact location where we want to be it's right in the junction and uh, that's perfect location that was a perfect location for us so we're like you know what let's take a chance on this the, I, I don't think we're going to see anything else under four hundred thousand dollars in in Toronto so yeah let's talk about some of the uh big surprises of becoming a, a first-time homeowner uh what were some of the things that you you maybe didn't plan for or or didn't realize that you had to you know save up for or prepare for yeah, so I guess I just forgot to Google it or something <laughs> because it was like we didn't we didn't know that there was going to be two forms of land transfer tax. So it was like because um, we we're we weren't first time home buyers. My husband had had we had a house previously um, four years ago in London, Ontario, and then that was before we moved in with my parents. And so we had to pay two forms of land transfer tax, and. Um, I don't know what the percentage is, but it was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it was like $25,000. And it's just like, I just spent that on the down payment. Like, I don't have another 25000 So we were very, very fortunate. My parents gave us like a little loan. And we did eventually pay them back, which was number one priority for me at the time. And so that actually put our renovation um, budget on hold. Actually, it put it on level non-existent. So... That was a big surprise. That was something that we definitely should have looked into before just jumping into buying a house. Um, I'm still glad that we did it. But yeah, it was a very, very privileged position to be in where we had that parental help. And I feel like a lot of millennials can relate to that. Like it's really, really, really hard to get into the market with no help, even back then. Now is the same way. So it's kind of like if you don't have the help, it's it's even harder it's even tougher and i honestly my heart goes out to everybody out there that is trying to get into the housing market because it's really really tough especially with these taxes and different things that come up closing costs are huge you have to pay out your real estate agent as well like there's a lot of money that goes into even just getting in the door and then once you're in the door you're like okay well i need new carpet mm -hmm. i need drywall i need all this stuff labor is extremely expensive this was pre-COVID, but now if you're talking about post-COVID, materials have gone up. So it was just really wild. So my husband knew he was going to take on a lot of the renovation work himself, and that was the only way we were going to be able to afford it. We were both still working full time, and we just thought it's going to be kind of pay as you go. Like I had to, I'm not a patient person just naturally, but I had to sort of like take a, a whole step back and be like, this is just going to happen slowly. And once I sort of got to that understanding in my mind I was like okay let's just take this one step at a time so the demo happened and we hired out a few jobs some jobs went to like our friend that is a contractor others we just hired people 
and we were trying to keep costs as low as possible so the only thing that we hired out was the some of the um framing because the house was kind of you know toronto houses oh yeah my house none of them are straight yeah yeah (laughs) so we kind of uh we had we hired our friend to come in and put some new beams um in the trusses new trusses i think that's the word i love how you're asking me i have no idea no idea (laughs) like you know like big pieces of wood let's say that that hold your house up together um so they came and and sort of tried to get the house as as level and balanced as possible and then that was sort of behind the walls and then we had someone also hired to do the drywall and the mudding and then from there my husband and I and we had some help along along the way did everything else so when we're talking about the flooring the plumbing the electrical like everything we did ourselves and you have to do so much research when you're dealing with electrical and plumbing experience going in no like nothing so basically my husband watches a lot of youtube (laughs) and he found out what to do but you have to get it done properly so what you have to do is you have to call the city have them come in and assess sort of your situation then they give you kind of a like a work permit like you can go ahead and do the work and that, like once you're the homeowner, you're allowed to go ahead and do the work. And then you have to have this like a city representative come in again and approve what you've done and give you a green sticker. Then you can close up the walls. So we we wanted to do it right. And we went through those processes of getting permits and stuff. So our house is safe, which is good. But yeah, it, it's a long, long growing process. But we didn't have the money to hire out every single trade. We just didn't have the funds to, when you're someone coming into your house, it's like $1,000 a day, $600 a day. And we just did not have the money for that, especially as I said, we owed my parents money. We were still trying to pay off the initial renovations that happened. You know, we had to do things like hiring a dumpster for all the, the demolition. It's just these all these little costs that add up that you don't even think of when you're like, oh, let me just sign my name here to buy this house. Um, but I would do it all again, a hundred percent because we love where we're at now. And, you know, as the years go by, we are getting, growing that equity, which gives us more and more of a cushion for the future. Um, you know, and the future, who knows, right? We may be able to use the equity in our home to maybe purchase a rental property or something like that. Like that's something that we would be interested in doing. But if we didn't start back there and like go through the really, really tough renovations, go through the really, really tough financial situations that we were found ourselves in, put ourselves in, um, we wouldn't be where we are now. So, yeah, it was hard, but I would definitely do it again. Obviously, there was so much that you needed to do with your home. You kind of had mm-hmm. to gut the whole thing. How did you prioritize uh, what made financial sense for you to do on your own? What made more sense to hire someone who's a professional? How did you decide all that? And how did you kind of budget for things? Like you said, there's so many things that came up. How were you able to kind of save up for these things? So with the electrical work, as I said, we wanted to do it all right. And, and um, one of my husband's friends is an electrician so he came and actually gave us some plans for the whole house so when you when you're talking about priority and renovations safety is first Mm -hmm. aesthetics come later but you you want to work from like the ground up you don't want to be like okay well I want this hung or I want this you know to look like this you have to start from inside the walls Mm -hmm. make sure everything is good uh, because that's how it lasts 
if, if you mm-hmm. just if you just um, do like a quick throw together job, yeah. it, things are going to break down on you easily and quickly. So absolutely, I, I know since you mentioned aesthetics, and I feel like that's uh, a big reason why this house five thousand is so popular. Um, how were you able to, you know, still s- stay within your kind of limited budget, but make your house look so elevated and, I mean, Pinterest worthy? Thank you very much, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I think uh, the way I started out, the way my approach design was all about, you know, what can I do for cheap? Mm-hmm. Not, And when I say cheap, I just mean like, not like cheap materials, but just more so like what can I do sustainably so I went and just got everything almost everything secondhand the only new things we had in our house when we first started was our bed and our sofa everything else was um used furniture I'm a big Facebook marketplace person Mm -hmm. like I or Kijiji I look like all the time and I think that it's even more it's even more beautiful when you have pieces in your house that have a story to them. Like we just have so much vintage stuff. And then I wanted to mix that with new elements. So that's why we got like all new drywall, all new paint, you know, we got new flooring. And so I think it's nice to have the balance of old and new. And that's kind of the style I was going for aesthetically. And I think that when it comes to Instagram and and sharing my home, I think a lot of people resonated with the fact that this is accessible. It's not like that. we had a bunch of teams and a, a, a designer and a stylist come in here and do this whole house. It really came together piece by piece. And it really came together slowly because I would just find things um, either secondhand or free and incorporate them into my home. And I would share that with people. And so since you have such a, a big audience who are so engaged, um, and I can see why, I'm sure you get so many questions about, hey, I want to do something similar. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend? Do you have any things now looking back that you maybe wish you did differently? I would say don't rush into any project. There's there's no rush. Like I really stand by the hashtag home takes time. Mm. My biggest advice is do your research, do your due diligence when it comes to pricing, materials, like contractors that are going to be cutting stone for you or anything like that. Like do do your research and don't just go to one store and be like, that's the one I want. Um, just make sure that it's the one you want and, and take your time. Yeah. So I would give the advice of spend more time and more money on the bigger purchases in your life. So you're talking about your table, your sofa, your rug and really make sure you like those pieces. And then when it comes to personal style, you can add it with accessories. So any decor accessories, picture frames, plants, candles, books, um, vases, and incorporate that into the big pieces. And you can make a, a room really homey with not using that much money because those things aren't all that expensive and you can always find deals. But yeah, take your time with the bigger pieces and then have fun and, and splash your house with accessories that can always be switched out when did you start documenting the process of renovating your home and then also you know you were able to build a significant audience and become now an influencer a content creator at what point then were you able to use this brand that you created to help fund some of those renovations so we started documenting um in 2018 uh and i the first thing i shared was my bathroom and it was 
just newly renovated and I was so excited to share it. And I was also nervous because before I was just sort of sharing inspo, not not really anything about me. Like I'm just thinking I'm a nobody, who cares about my house? But once I actually saw that people were interested, I was, I became more interested, (laughs) like I became more interested in sharing my home and I loved answering people's questions and I loved showing them what tools were we using and I loved showing them what materials we were using and how we were doing this on a budget and why we were doing this ourselves and like I was a very open book from the beginning saying like, listen man, we're broke, we're just trying to make it and I think that people started joining our, like my community and thinking, yeah, this is something I could maybe do myself. And it was really, really funny to see that switch. Like my first paid job for an Instagram ad was in 2020 and they paid me $350 for a post and I thought I was rich. <laughs> like I was like, wow, <laughs> like I could not believe it. Cause at my job, I think it took me like pretty much a whole week to make $350. So I was like stunned that I could just post an image on Instagram and someone paid me $350. Like I was stunned done like my eyes were open to this whole new world and um I believe I had about around 80 85,000 followers on Instagram before I even made one dime Mm -hmm. so it's like I put a lot of time and effort into that to grow that audience to grow that audience trust before I got any paid money for it and it it really tells you that this was not about the money like this all happened kind of as a fluke and once I realized that this could be a business, this could be a money-making venture. And that's when it started making enough money to help pay for all all of our future renovations. Like our entire kitchen project, which I don't mind sharing the figures, our kitchen project, even with doing a lot of the work ourselves, 90% of the work ourselves, costed like $35,000 just for materials. Like literally we were doing all the work ourselves and it still costed 35K. So it's like that was 100% completely funded by the money that I get paid to post ads on Instagram. So I believe that that started at the beginning of, very beginning of 2021 is when I started booking jobs that allowed us to save the money. It's been really good. It's been interesting. It hasn't been perfect. There's highs and lows. There's times where you're just thinking, oh my gosh, I can't keep up to this because it is so new and it is so different. And there really aren't very many industry standards set in with like how much money you can make on a post. It, it really varies. Um, and it, and it's kind of like a hush hush thing. And that's what I don't like about money talk. People don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, why? So it's like, I really only have a small network of, of peers who are also content creators that are okay to talk about the numbers, but that's how I found out so much information. I'm always open, anyone watching this, you wanna talk to me about money, I'm in. I love that, I love hearing <laughs> that. Um, since you kind of mentioned it, where do you kind of see things going? What is your kind of vision for the future? So as I mentioned before, we wanna save up a little bit more money and able to and be able to buy a rental property. I'm not sure where, but that would be my next big venture. And I think that would be really interesting for my um, audience to watch me do because they've seen me grow from being nothing into where I am at now. And I think that the next stage would be to move on. And and I think that content wise and sharing wise and uh, you know hopefully financially as well, that it will be something that I, we can invest our time and efforts into. And that's where I w- we want to go next because we, we, we love home. 
anything home. So I think buying a rental property. You mentioned, uh, you know, different streams of income and, you know, that it's very important um, to kind of in, in terms of financial independence. What are some kind of uh, unexpected different streams of income you were able to kind of discover or unlock? So recently, my husband was hired to do um, some custom shelving for a, a local massage clinic, and it's been kind of a thing that he has wanted to get into, working with side jobs and like we definitely want to get him uh, a construction shop at some point. And that'll be another fun thing that we can share in our future. We've received lots of messages of people saying, can he build this for me? Can he build that for me? And he's actually, his name is Christoph, but he actually has the nickname Bob the Builder because the guy builds, like he just builds. He can, he can build anything. Um, like I have so much confidence in his skills. So it's kind of cool to see that like this has turned, this has turned into a little job for him. Those are great tips for like making your, your house just kind of, I mean, next level. But um, since now you have so many years under your belt of being a homeowner, what kind of tips would you have for anyone wanting to enter um, kind of the, the housing market, buy, you know, their first home, anything that you're like, oh, I wish I knew this. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to say a comment first. It's tough out there, uh -huh. and I feel for everybody mm -hmm. out there who's trying to get into the market now. But I would say don't settle just because you're dying to get a house. I would say look around. Make sure you know what you want, whether you're, you want a condo. Do you want a detached home? Are you willing to move outside of the city? Uh, the, these are big questions that you need to be able to answer to yourself. And I guess financially my advice would be, don't overextend yourself. That's what we did, and it was really rough for a couple of years. There were some times where we were thinking, you know, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. Um, it was looking a little hairy there for, I would say, like a good three years. And, wow. that, and that was really tough. And it can be tough on your marriage or, or if you're, you know, not married, just anything, mm -hmm. just life. No, I know lots of people probably look to you, you know, you're a homeowner in Toronto. That's already, you know, a huge milestone. You have this amazing uh, brand, this house 5000. You know, what does success or even the term financial independence mean to you? I feel like I'm not there yet. Personally, I'm, I wouldn't call myself financially free yet, but I think that it's doing little steps and reaching little goals that are going to help you in your future. So right now, I know my husband and I are are trying to save money. We're not overextending and, and living with outside of our means. Uh, and we want to save money in order to get back into the market again and be able to possibly buy a rental, a rental property somewhere. We don't We don't know where exactly, maybe outside of the country. I don't know. But basically, I would say look towards your goals in the future of where you would like to be and start doing taking little steps now that you can do. And it, it is tough because life is expensive. Like, look at gas prices. Mm -hmm. Where are we going with this? Um, so it's like, yeah, it's really, really hard now. But if you look t five, ten years into your future of where you want to be and you just start trying to get wrap your mind around how can I get there? And I feel like financial freedom, hopefully I do get there myself as well, is going to be when you're a little bit older, things have more calmed down, you have lived more life, you've had more life experiences, there's going to be ups and downs and those are okay. But I feel like when you do get to a point where you feel financially free, it'll be like, oh, but I put in the work for that. 
And I think it's going to be all the more rewarding if it wasn't just handed to you. You know, if you put in the work, mm -hmm. that's, I think, was, is going to make me feel financially free. So just something where it's like, I have money coming in, I feel safe, I have money set aside, and I think that that kind of freedom will be really, really nice in the future, but we're working on it now, and that, I, think, I hope that's what everyone else out there is doing too. Thank you so much, Elena, for coming here, chatting with me. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you taking an interest, and I'm always open to share if anyone has any questions after this. See, asking questions about money isn't so embarrassing, is it? All you have to do is start the conversation. I made this podcast with Desjardins because they believe you have to start early to build a solid financial mindset. Good habits make for great results. There are so many interesting stories that can teach us about the big questions on our minds these days. It's important to talk about them without taboos or judgment. I hope you enjoyed what Elena had to say. Click to listen to the next episode of Clean Slate by Desjardins, the institution whose mission is to enrich people's lives and build community. For now, I'm signing off and I hope you'll join me for the next one.